Welcome to Living Under the Gun, a cop rock cast. It's a podcast about cop rock and the experience of watching it. Now, you might be familiar with our other shows. We also have a podcast about movies, the Video Store Junkies, and a podcast about other TV shows, The Cult of the Cathode Ray. So why start a third one? Well, if you're familiar at all with cop rock, or if you're not, if you just listen to us talk about this episode, I think you'll quickly figure out why. This is a show that I've been kind of obsessed with for years, and I actually just recently found out that my two co-hosts are actually almost as obsessed as I am. So we decided to get a little crazy and start a whole new podcast that's dedicated just to this one show. And you might say, how are we going to do a whole podcast on a show that only ran for 11 episodes? Well, let's just say there's a lot to talk about. And once we get through all the episodes, we're going to cover a lot of things surrounding Cop Rock. So I don't want to spoil too much right now. We're only in the first episode, but there's a lot to cover. So Without further ado, let's get started. I'm Zachary Edgerton, and I am joined by my two wonderful co-hosts. And before we get into the episode, we're just going to talk a little bit about our background with the show. Like I said, we're all huge cop rockheads, and uh, hopefully you are too. And I'll actually start, if you guys don't mind, because I think that the, the whole reason that we started this podcast, I kind of had a, had a little... Personal story about this, and I thought that it was something that was kind of exclusive to myself. Turns out that it was not. Like I said, I've been a big fan of the show for years. Just found out that you guys were fans of the show just recently. But I, I'm going to take you back to I think probably 1990, 1991, early 91. I actually can't remember exactly which episode it was, but I was a I was a small child. I would have been around six then. And I remember one night staying up late and seeing my parents were watching something on TV. They were watching a show that probably didn't really hold my attention because it was, you know, it was a there were there were police and it was serious. It was a serious drama, so I had zero interest in it as a small child. And then the song started, and all of a sudden I was kind of transfixed. I had no idea what it was. I don't think my I don't even know if my parents knew what it was. I think the reason my parents were watching it, my dad, huge Randy Newman fan. And I think that he probably tuned in just because, you know, he heard that there was this new show with songs by Randy Newman. Really, it's the first episode. And then, you know, the the uh, the theme to the show is by Randy Newman. So I think they probably tuned in. I don't actually know how many episodes they watched. Like I said, it's one of those things. I had no idea what it was at the time. It kind of stuck with me. I kind of thought about it over the years. It's one of those things that, you know... Also, like pre-internet, it was very hard to find out about things. You can just go on Reddit and be like, hey, guys, I remember this obscure thing from, you know, 30 years ago, and someone can tell you what it is. So fast forward probably, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years, and I was watching some late night cable. I can't remember what, what channel it was, but I'm watching late night cable. I can't sleep, and all of a sudden the show Cop Rock comes on. I have no idea what it is, and then it's a serious cop show. Again, it's drama. It's uh, you know, it's a little bit gritty, and then the songs start, and I'm all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, this must be what I watched. So, suffice it to say, I quickly you know googled it. I figured out what it was. I eventually got the DVD. It was uh before I the, I think as actually before there was a DVD out. I got you know I had TiVo, so I TiVoed all the episodes, and I fell in love and. This is something that, you know, over the years I'd mention to people, they'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, cop rock. I'd explain the premise to them. 
They'd be like, that sounds terrible. I tried to convince them. It was not terrible. It's genius. But uh, they didn't believe me. So uh, fast forward again to, I guess, probably a couple weeks ago when we were talking about shows to do on Cult of the Cathode Ray, which is our sister podcast about TV. And I mentioned Cop Rock. I say, you know, this is something I don't think you guys would be interested in this. I don't know. I don't know if we could talk about this show because I don't know if anyone else is as, as excited at, or as into the show as I am. And both of my co-hosts were definitely, definitely knew exactly what I was talking about. And uh, it turned out that, you know, very quickly we decided now we have to do a whole podcast about Cop Rock. So here we are. It's living under the gun, as Randy Newman says in the intro. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to my co-hosts and let them kind of introduce themselves and kind of I don't know if they have uh, personal stories about this show, but uh, let's go over to uh, my normal co-host, actually, on Cult of the Cathode Ray. Renee, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what kind of what kind of history you have with this show? Well, hello. Uh, my name is Renee St. Aubin, and I don't have a deep history with Cop Rock the way that you do. My biggest connection uh, as a child was through Hill Street Blues. I remember my parents watching it as a kid and very much like you mentioned, a very kind of gritty cop show. I just remember distinctly not liking it because it was just too much for me as a kid. Um, But then, you know, in the later years, Cop Rock came out. I I knew it was around. It was kind of a, oh, I don't know how to put it. It was just something that just, you know, it was out there in the universe and you knew what it was, but you really didn't know where to find it. And then, you know, uh, but I, I would like to consider myself a long-term uh, rockhead um, because, you know, once, once I, f- you know, found the episodes, I was just, you know, I was hooked. That, w- that was it. And we should, we should clarify, that's a cop rockhead, not a, not a, I think a rockhead is, is something uh, slightly different. Oh, dear. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that's something that the cop rocks would be busting you for. Oh, <laughs> um, dear. Yeah. Yes. No, not that kind of rockhead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no, I have no idea if that's an actual term. It just sounds like it would be. Sort of sounds like crackhead, but crockhead. Yeah, rock, rockhead. You know, crack yeah. rocks. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> hey, guess what? We have a special, a very special guest uh, on this episode. I don't know. I, I'm assuming he's going to be joining us for all of us our subsequent episodes. But if you're listening to this, I think we're actually going to be previewing this on both of the podcasts. So if you're listening to this on the Video Store Junkies, you're familiar with his voice. If you're listening to this on Cult of the Cathode Ray, you may actually not be familiar with him. So let's introduce or reintroduce him to the audience and Paul why don't you tell us who you are and kind of what your background is with this show well I, I'm Paul Cardullo and I, I'm I'm really embarrassed you said <laughs> cop rock I swear to god you were saying roth rock the whole time and I was like oh yeah Cynthia roth rock you said 1990 please I'm like oh martial law of course and I'm like oh but you know but not not martial law the Sammo Hung series from 1996 though she did appear with Sammo Hung like her first film, uh, Yes, Madam, when she was with Mad- with uh, Michelle Yeoh, he was in that as well. And, her, and the year later, he directed her in, in Millionaire's Express. And then uh, he produced Female Reporter a few years after that. But no, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't Martial Law from 1996, the series there. And then I was like, well, why are you talking about it called a Catherine Ray? I'm like, well, maybe you, said, maybe you got confused with the series. And I said, oh, well, maybe Martial Law 2, which admittedly is a much better film and, and a better showcase for, for Cynthia Rothrock than Martial Law. And so I'm like, okay, so I, I watched Martial Law 1 and 2, and then you guys kept talking about songs, and I'm like, I don't hear any Randy Newman songs in this. And I was really confused, 
and then till you tell you know listen to the score the score of the first one's pretty forgettable the second one though has a lot of that sexy sax 90s sexy sax you guys really like so i was like yeah i like that's where I, my all my notes are on martial law and martial law 2 <laughs> but you know i'm ready to talk about that and cynthia rothrock i mean damn it she's fantastic you know she's only five foot three but she's got like seven black belts and she's amazing um but yeah i mean i i i you know i i guess i could kind of talk about cop rock off the cuff i watched it like when it came out i didn't watch it because i i didn't really like stephen bochco or or any i know it's a heresy or any of those you know cop dramas you know mysteries are fine but cop dramas i really didn't care about so i, I never really watched it till you guys you know I, I i like watched it on youtube recently just I, by luck just by luck and uh you know and so i, I watched so i can i can probably talk off the cuff about it but I, I i definitely have a lot of stuff i can say about martial law and martial law too if you want because i i do i do have a it's pretty extensive notes on that so um yeah so if you want to know more stuff about cynthia rothrock i'm, I'm your person because yeah i thought you guys were talking about doing a, a rothrock cast and you were talking about being rothrock heads and i'm like oh yeah i'm all down with that you know it's because she can kick over her head and kick you in the face it's just pretty amazing so yeah and for those of you who haven't picked up i think that uh, paul is a rothrock head and also just a, a, a normal rock head uh paul we, we told you <laughs> no drugs before the podcast but that's okay we'll we'll, yeah, uh, we'll just yeah, roll with it I swear to God, you guys hey, said Rothrock. You know what? Let's bring it back, though. You know, you mentioned uh, Martial Law with Sammo Hung. Yeah. You, you know who did the uh, the theme to Martial Law with Sammo Hung? That wouldn't happen to be Randy Newman, would it? Oh, it definitely would not be. That, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. <laughs> but it is, the, it is the other guy who is responsible for the music on Cop Rock, and that is Mr. Mike Post, who we will be talking about in a little while. Um, See, it all comes right back around. Exactly, exactly. That's that's kind of actually the point I, I wanted to make there. Everything, everything kind of comes back to cop rock. So it comes, it's kind of mean comes back to Cynthia Rothrock. Uh, sure, that too. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. let's uh, let's <laughs> we're burning daylight here, so let's get a little bit into this episode. As always, we're gonna break this up, and we're gonna start out with actually a little bit of history on the show itself. I actually think I, I failed to mention it at the very top of the show, but this episode is all about uh, season one. <laughs> well, season one, the only season, episode one, which is the pilot, uh, because this was back in the day when, uh, back when there, I, well, I guess there are still pilots, but, you know, back in the day when now you have a lot of these shows that are just ordered uh, a, a network or, a you know, a streaming service or whatever will just order an entire season Back in the day, they had pilots. So this is uh, t technically this episode does not actually have a title. It's just pilot. So let's talk a little bit about how Cop Rock came to be. We mentioned Stephen Bochco, Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues premiered in 1981. It was a massive, massive hit. So Stephen Bochco, uh, he, had, he had done some stuff before this. Actually, I didn't realize this until I looked him up. Uh, which shows that, uh, you know, no matter how much you know about the cast and crew of Cop Rock, there's always more to learn. Uh, he had actually written or co-written Silent Running, which is, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, a 1972 film, which was directed by Douglas Trumbull, who's kind of a uh, special effects legend. Uh, but this film was actually co-written by Michael Cimino, who would go on to make uh, The Deer Hunter and infamously Heaven's Gate. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So, if you're not familiar with Hill Street Blues, maybe uh, maybe you're maybe you're not quite old enough to remember that show. I actually don't think that was. I think that was probably uh, when that in was it 90, 89? I don't know. 
but uh, I think I was I was pretty young when that show went off the air. I've never really watched it, but he's also responsible for some other shows you may be familiar with. Yugi <laughs> Hauser, of, MD. Like, five-year-old you watching those movies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. funny. Your that first words were, let's be careful out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but five, uh, well, not five-year-old me, but I think uh, like 10 or 11-year-old me did, did catch some Doogie Hauser MD, which he hey. also co-created. Uh, he also did Murder One, L.A. Law, and a little show called NYPD Blue. So he had a lot of huge hits. Uh, he also he also made a, I think it was just a TV movie because it was uh, technically a pilot that wasn't picked up. Actually, I don't think it was ever released anywhere. But uh, he also did something called NYPD 2069, which I this is not a joke. <laughs> and uh, apparently it was not actually a, an adult film. Uh, he did not like lose bet or something, but uh, if you if you have a copy of NYPD sixty nine, if you're listening to this and you have a copy of that somewhere, please, <laughs> please, please send please send it uh, please send it to us because we would love to watch that and cover it at some point. Yeah, that's going to be part of our extended cop rock uh, season down the line. So, yeah, Stephen Bochco uh, in the eighties and the nineties and even the two thousands, he was kind of a, a huge creative force. Had a lot of huge primetime hits. And in fact, his his uh, uh, he had kind of so much cred with ABC that uh, I think they basically made a deal with him where they they were going to pick up not not one, not two, not five. I think they I think the deal was they were actually going to pick up his next 10 shows. That's how that's how uh, that's how much trust they had in him. So this is after Hill Street Blues, like the, you know, the number one or one of the number one TV shows in the U.S. for a couple of years running. So flashback to the early 80s when apparently there was a Broadway producer who came to Bochco and uh, he had a little he had a little proposal for him. He said, you know, I want to turn, I want to take Hill Street Blues, very popular show at the time, I want to turn it into a musical. Apparently that wasn't something that Bochco was actually interested in. However, he did kind of keep it in the back of his head apparently. And a few years later, when ABC kind of gave him this offer, he kind of decided to basically take a Broadway show and turn it into a police procedural TV show. So uh, at the time, ABC Entertainment was headed by Bob Iger. Uh, is it Iger or Iger? I can't remember. Anyways, uh, he would go on to, you know, head Disney. And uh, he was apparently gave kind of gave Bochco the go ahead to do this show. So out of all the great things and all the horrible things Bob Iger, uh, Iger has been responsible for, uh, this is one of them. So that's kind of a background. Does anyone else have anything, any other kind of history or background on the show before we actually get into the first episode? Well, you know who was also who was in at least a, one episode of Hill Street Blues was uh, Billy Drago, and he plays the villain in Martial Law too. Cool. Um, well, let's get. And to... then also we have like several other actors from Martial oh, Law: Etten Bordzer, John Casino, and uh, Patricia Wilson. All. All were in Hill Street Blues. It was a pretty popular show, so you had a lot of people kind of crossing over there. Well, that's actually very true. Yeah, yeah, had a lot of co- uh, a lot of guest stars over the years. Um, but but you know, to... none oh. none of, none of the people from either Martial <laughs> Law or Martial Law Two though were in NYPD Twenty Sixty Nine though, unfortunately. Mm. Oh well, so, you know, n- no crossovers there. Sorry. Maybe maybe when they reboot it, they can uh, pick some of those people up. But that's uh, true. That's yeah. True. <laughs> let's let's talk about episode stats on this one. This is where we just kind of break down some of the numbers, some of the creative forces behind this episode. So the pilot premiered on September twenty sixth, nineteen ninety. It was, I believe. It was oh wow! Wednesday. Wait, 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 wait. That oh, that's boy. actually one month before martial law premiered in Sweden and Norway. Oh my god! October twenty sixth, nineteen. I didn't come into the U S. till till May sixteenth, nineteen ninety one. 
And then it was like a year later when uh, Martial Law 2 Undercover uh, premiered in uh, um, Italy. Um, we didn't get it till August 20th, 1992. But what's really neat is in the Philippines, it had like a super roadshow presentation for Martial Law 2. And, and apparently, according to the Manila Post, the, the teenagers were actually dancing in the aisles between screenings of Martial Law 2 because Cynthia Rothrock was such a big star. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think I, I digress. Oh, so back to back to yeah, the premiere of, of of Martial Law. Speaking of, a, oh wait, oh I'm sorry, wrong one. <laughs> speaking of dancing in the aisles, I believe on Wednesday, Wednesday, September 26, 1990, at 10 p.m., uh, approximately 14.3 million people were possibly dancing in front of their TVs because they were watching this uh, this premiere. Now, this was back in the day. I actually kind of looked this up because I was kind of curious. 14.3 million viewers. That's a lot. Apparently, uh, I tried to find, like, the, the uh, biggest network hits, like, uh, in last September, so September 2021, and I think it, it looked to me like uh, the, uh, from the numbers I could find, the, the top show was, like, had, like, five and a half million viewers. So that kind of goes to show the, you know, how much TV has changed. Um, and also kind of notable, Cop Rock, you know, 14.3 mi- uh, million viewers, it was actually third in its time slot, so it lost. I didn't write down what it lost out to, but lost out to two other shows. So, just a little bit of history. And I think it was Cheers that week had the the the, the highest rating, uh, primetime rating. I think it had something like twenty eight million viewers. So, kind of interesting how times have changed. So, let's talk about the creative forces behind this one, written by Stephen Boschko, the man himself, and William M. Finkelstein, who we have not mentioned yet, but he was a co-creator of this show and this one was directed by Gregory Hoblet or Hoblet I'm not sure how to pronounce that name but uh, if you'd like to come on this show and tell us I'd be very happy to hear from him uh, so kind of interesting thing about him he went on to direct a ton of TV like a lot of the people involved in the show were involved with a lot of other television but uh, he would also direct a couple of feature films uh, his filmography includes Primal Fear Fallen and Frequency so hmm. That was kind of interesting. Uh, he also directed a little movie you may have heard of called NYPD 2069. <laughs> so, again, that, this is not a joke. <laughs> this is an actual thing. So I guess uh, I guess even after the you know the first uh, you know Cop Rock only lasted a season, then it got killed. I guess him and Botchko were still on pretty good terms. So um, anything else we want to talk about in terms of that stuff before we move on, guys? That's very interesting. I mean, Renee, I, I think Paul's already talked enough, and I don't want him to talk about uh, martial law too anymore. So, Renee, do what, you have anything what, else to what? say? Uh, I, unfortunately, about the history, I do not. I do not. Okay. But that I, was I a little bit more history on martial law, martial law. Okay. Too, but well, I'll, hey, I'll, yeah. Paul, why don't, you, why don't you save that for the end, and we'll tack oh. it on for the Patreon listeners. Is that it? Oh, wait, we don't the, have Patreon. Uh, don't don't worry about it. Uh, don't worry about it. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on and. Normally, I read a plot synopsis here. I actually didn't find a really succinct one. Um, normally, I take like the plot synopsis that you'll find like TV Guide or something like that. Couldn't find that for this episode, so I'm gonna skip it. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably know what the plot is about. So let's let's just get into the meat of this conversation, guys. I, I you know the thing that we really want to talk about. I think are the the good cops and the bad cops, and also the the non cops. Uh, which is why our next section is called Good Cops, Bad Cops, Non-Cops. Because uh, this is where we're going to talk a little bit about the actors. We're going to get into the characters, which are the characters we loved, which are the ones we hated, you know, any interesting things about the actors who show up in the pilot here. 
So I don't know. I'm going to open it up. And once again, we're talking about the pilot of Cop Rock. We're not talking about Cynthia Rothrock or any of her films. So Damn. with that in mind, I'm going to open it up and say, is there anything that anyone, is there anyone that, or I should say, is, is there anyone that anyone would like to talk about or uh, any characters that you'd like to start off with? Well, I, I think the first one, the, it's at the top of our list, and it was one that actually first kind of grabbed me was uh, Annie Bobby. Because I was like, damn it, where have I seen that? Because Shelly watched it with me. She's like, uh, she was a Nightbreed, I'm like, which is funny, because I don't think Shelly's ever watched Nightbreed. I think she was just looking at IMDb. But I was like, oh, shit, yeah, she looks the same as she did in Nightbreed. So there you go. That's about all. That's, I, that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about, uh, is it Annie or Anne? I thought it was Anne. Uh, well, you know, her friends call her Annie. Okay, well, <laughs> Anne and Bobby. It was Anne with an E, so I don't know. You know, I could be wrong, but I I, I thought it was Anne. But uh, yeah, I think it's Anne. Officer Vicky Quinn, and yeah, as you mentioned, she go on to be uh, in Night or wait, it was Nightbreed. Nightbreed was before this, right? Yeah, yeah. She would not go on to be in Nightbreed. She had already been in Nightbreed, and <laughs> uh, but if you're a video game player, uh, it is notable she would go on to voice Bridget Tannenbaum in the Bioshock games, which I thought was kind of mm-hmm. interesting. And yeah, what are you, anything we want to say about this character? Because I got a couple things to say. Do you? I'd I'd be interested in hearing your uh, your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So let's, I only let's have get... like a little tiny thought. So I feel like your thoughts could inspire my thoughts. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. So her character. I mean, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things here, and of course, you know, Botchko. He he had plots and character arcs and stuff that would go over multiple episodes and seasons we're not going to spoil anything here for the subsequent episodes of this show so we try to let's just say even though you know we've all seen or at least uh, renee and i have have both seen every single episode of this show we're going to kind of pretend we haven't so we it's kind of a spoiler free so if you've only seen the pilot we don't want to spoil anything but anyways that being said it seems like they're setting up some some stuff with her in this episode. And I thought there were a couple mm. of kind of, mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Renee? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's kind of interesting <laughs> that um, she, so, well, let's just say that she is, uh, you know, there, there are some, some other guys on the force that are hitting on her. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know. I think it's uh, maybe something's going to happen because, I did. I did write down like the one line. So her her uh, her partner's Andy Campo, portrayed by uh, David uh, Giannopoulos, I believe is how it's pronounced. And at one point, he's like kind of hitting on her, and you know, he's talking about he's he's saying some things that are you know, <laughs> well by today's standards are pretty inappropriate. <laughs> but back <laughs> in the nineties, it was probably like ah, you know, just uh, <laughs> just part, just partner talk. Um, but you know, he's he's talking about like oh yeah. You love to be in control because you love to, you're, or you love to drive the car. That means you love to be in control, which means you love to be a top during sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, a very Time obvious. Time to call HR. That was like the thing I was thinking. I was like, wow, that did not age. Well, you know, I don't think that that really wasn't appropriate back then either. No. Well, yeah. But, but yeah, it was the boys will be boys. And I was like, holy crap, rape culture. Woo! Yeah, well, there it's kind of interesting. Also, I think another thing we're gonna hit on a couple times is kind of how things have changed and how some of the stuff in the show, it the, the like the way it's portrayed has like whether or not it's aged well. But yeah, so this is one of those things. But the thing that I thought was kind of interesting. So obviously he's being kind of creepy, and 
I don't know, maybe it's just because of, you know, yeah, like they were, you know, two guys writing this young woman and, you know, they were kind of afraid to write a stronger female character. I should also note, she's like, you know, apparently the only one on the force with any lines, I think, in this episode. But, <laughs> right. but, but I did note it was kind of interesting, like, for me, it was kind of like, okay, is this guy actually, I don't know, it, obviously he's saying things that are inappropriate, but is there something else here? Because she, I, mm-hmm. the thing I wrote down was, like, she says, like, when he's saying all these things and he's talking about, like... Or he's like, so it said something like, you know, give me a shot or something. And she just says, my husband would kill me, which is kind of interesting. Like, <laughs> right. she doesn't, she, I don't think she ever is like straight <laughs> up sa- says, like, no, I'm not interested in this scene. She's like, my husband would kill me, which is kind of an interesting reply to that. I don't know. Am I, am I crazy that, that maybe there's, there's something else going on here? Um, well, for me, the comment that she made later pretty well sealed that deal. <laughs> Was did that? You, did you forget which that? Part, the, maybe? What was the comment you made later? I remember. I remember the the my husband would kill me, but then I don't remember. I think I. Well, he was like, I lay in bed state. at night. I lay in bed at night thinking about you. And she was getting out of the car, and she was like, I think about you too. And then it was like, oh, <laughs> and like yeah. she was like out of the car. Yeah, yeah. So kind of a kind of an interesting dynamic here. And there's uh, well, there, there's a whole other side to this that we'll talk about in a few minutes with another character, I think. But um, yeah, so. I don't know. Uh, I I think she I I like her performance. Uh, mm-hmm. You know I I hope that don't have a whole lot to say about her here in this episode. And you know I'll I'll leave it with the uh, I hope this character is a little more fleshed out. Uh, no pun intended mm. in the future. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, sorry. we don't have an HR department for this podcast, so I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, our HR department is Renee. She will. That's right. I, I make the decisions here. Uh, yeah. Well, you do have you you do have all the power because if you threaten to leave, the podcast will fall apart. So I do I do kind of have to do what you say. So, anyways, <laughs> um, anything anything else to say about Anne Anne or Annie Bobby or uh, Officer Vicky Quinn? I thought she seemed relatively. Uh, I thought she seemed sweet, um, and I too am looking forward to. Her interactions, her future, and, you know, the decisions she makes and the consequences of those actions. I, I wanted to see her kick bad guys in the face from behind her head, but she didn't. <laughs> much much like, 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 like uh, Cynthia Rock, Rock does. That's her, her, Cynthia, her, her sort of signature move is like sitting there and, and like kicking you in the face while you're standing in front of her. So She can also do it backwards, too. <laughs> but 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 yeah, I was expecting like Officer Quinn to do that at some point, and she didn't. Mm. So I was disappointed. Well, well speaking of ki- speaking of kicking people in the face, Officer Vicky Quinn seems she seems like a pretty good cop. I would say. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's doing her best. Um, but you know, not all of the cops on the force are good. Mm. And in fact, maybe we should move on to one that. Uh, speaking of things that I have. You know, things that maybe haven't aged as well, or, or maybe they have. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. But uh, maybe we can talk about Larry Joshua as Captain. Oh, no, sorry. That is that is the wrong character. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go yeah. down here. Let's talk about uh, Peter Onorati, uh, I think is how it's pronounced. I don't know. As Detective Vincent LaRusso. And this is the guy, of course, if you don't remember, he is, I don't know. He's kind of a... Kind of a loose cannon, a little bit of a loose cannon. He's a kind little of a... bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. What do you What do you think about uh, What do you think about Vincent Larusso? 
I mean, his character is the kind of character when when people shout shout a cab. <laughs> That's who they think of. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, he he plays like the the ultimate. Just yeah, he plays a, a dick. Um, so I mean, I think he thinks he's doing right, but you know. Yeah, so so he 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 actually kind of he kind of covers the whole spectrum, right? Because he he's obviously kind of like I don't know if lying on the stand is is the right thing, but he's like I didn't notice. I love the fact that he gets up there. There's a scene where he's on the stand and he gives his little you know his little uh, speech or whatever, and he's got his arm in like the sling, and then the very next scene, his arm is definitely not in the sling. <laughs> So kind of, I, I actually don't know if that's intentional or that was a goof, but my my thought there was, hmm, maybe he's showing up on the stand pretending to be kind of more injured than he actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but then, yeah, but then so yeah, so he's obviously a bad cop. He's trying to chase down this guy who sh- uh, allegedly shot an officer, and at the end, he basically uh, just executes him. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and my big question here. Like looking back, in in kind of the the past, you know, this the show premiered in 1990. Like, did people understand like how bad of a person <laughs> this guy was? It's, yeah, I, I, yeah. Oh, okay. oh no, I was just gonna say it's a really it's a very interesting point, right? Because you know he is sort of this like really self righteous, like he thinks he's doing what's right for the community, and I'm. Right, I'm sure there were people out there that were on his side. <laughs> well, yeah, especially like in the '90s when you have that that whole, you know, I think it was later in the '90s when they were pulling the whole uh, super predator bullshit, and and it's the kind of thing that people would be there's going to be people who would be cheering him on, like yeah, he 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 went around the 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 um you know the 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 guy the guy was let off on a technicality and he went around the 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 you know cut through the red tape and took this guy out the way he should have you know it's like so but I, at first i thought they were it, it's interesting to try to figure out how they were framing it and you know you guys being big fans of the show have watched more of them you know this is the only one i saw cuz i just happened to stumble across it um and so it's it's interesting to see how they would frame who he was how you know there there's there's a there's a framing the 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 show is not it's it's not neutral in its in in its how it wants to present him though at this point it's a little questionable how it wants to present him and so it's interesting is i get a feeling though that especially by the end of the episode i get a feeling more it's going to be more the no, he is the bad guy. But then part of me goes, or is it going to be one of those things where they go, well, he's bad, but oh, look, you know, he's going to redeem himself. Now he's the, 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 now he's the central figure, like in NYPD Blue, when Dennis Franz's character starts off being a, a shit bag and then later becomes like sort of the main, you know, he's, he's the, the flawed character shit, not as big a shit bag because he's one people want, you know, to see. So it's interesting to, I was curious where they were kind of going with it and what they would do with him, you know, if, if the series had actually ever continued. But Did you guys can probably that answer change? that change. Did they have to make that change though? Because what's his name left the show? Probably, probably. And but but it's it's still interesting that it's like, oh, no, we'll redeem him. It's like, wait, no, he was supposed to be the bad cop scumbag. And then <laughs> so it's like, so, gold. yeah, it's like, oh, but now he's he's this really interesting, super flawed character. It's great. It's like, no, no, he's a piece of shit. 
So the, the I you know haven't seen the rest of this, so it's it's really curious to see. It's it's not very it's not very black and white, which actually is good, right? It makes it more interesting. You know, it's not as black and white as say like you know martial law, martial law two, where Cynthia Rothrock's character is very much the the hero. There are some 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 bad cops there, but they are bad cops. You know, as opposed to this, there there are there are good there, you know there are people who think they're doing the right. You know, hey, I am I'm cutting through that red tape. Is he really, a, you know, in his own mind, I don't think he is. I think he's just doing the right thing. So it's a question of, you know, what it is. So, but again, you guys could probably speak to that more. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure we will in future episodes. Because, oh, yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to, to, to watch it and, and see what other overlaps we have with uh, Cynthia Rothrock films. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I will say, uh, you know, Peter, Peter Onorati, I, I, I do love him in this show, even though, you know, obviously his character is very hateable and he's a scumbag. But, but that's his it, job. That's, yeah. that's his job as the actor. I mean, he yeah. does. He does. He plays that that character well. And there, there is, I think, some nuance to it. You know, he's not just mustache twirling villain. So yeah, I think I think there are a lot of great, uh, you know, great actors in the show. And I did actually kind of want to mention as kind of a side thing is kind of again, it's like not not quite knowing what the culture was in 1990 or kind of like you know what the temperature was. But speaking of, you know, the guy who gets killed, so the, the, the officer that gets killed, I believe, is Gilbert Braden. He's played by Kevin Skousen, or Skousen. And it even, like, hit me, like, the scene before he gets killed, like, he's actually talking about, he, he says, like, they're, they're chasing the van, and he's talking about this gun, and he says, uh, it's going to be just like hunting with my daddy, which is, like, Actually, like, st- like even he seems like kind of a bad cop because he's actually mm-hmm. like he's very excited about possibly getting to shoot some people. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a uh, again. It's kind of interesting. Like, w- well, was that supposed? You know, was that supposed to be a comment on his character, or a comment on the police, or was that just like in the '90s? That was just like, yeah, cops talk like this, and we don't need to comment on it because everyone's kind of okay with it. I don't know. It's a great question, but. Yeah, maybe we should talk about a guy who does kind of make us think that the show isn't just going to treat LaRusso as a hero because we got another, I think I think we can call him a good cap. Uh, good cap? Good cop. cap. <laughs> he's cap. He's cap and he's a good cop. But I'm talking about Captain John Hollander, played by Larry Joshua. So and this is kind of like at the end, he, you know, he kind of says to LaRusso's face, I think, I, I can't remember, I didn't write down the exact line, but he's like, I think you're a killer. And because he's kind of he's kind of suspicious, he's talking, you know, he's going in and the uh, lieutenant uh, Ruskin is is like looking at the body and, and you know, Hollander's kind of saying, oh, it looks like he was cuffed. And Ruskin's like, oh, no, those are old. But I don't know. Um, so, yeah, actually, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that's the line, actually, that did it for me. That hurt, yeah. it was, I was like going, how are they playing this character? Are they playing him? They can't pot him like mm, they got. It. And so. That's where it, it kind of hit me as okay they're gonna they're you know it, they're gonna play it as no that, that this this guy is 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 bad cop but they're again they, they keep it nuanced enough that you know they're gonna try and you know because it's it's not just mustache twirling but it's definitely I think like I said the point of view is like you said the point of view is this guy's not not held up as a shiny example which is which is nice to know yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it's nice that, that in the intervening, you know, thirty some odd years now, we don't have to worry about cop shooting people like that. Yeah, doesn't happen anymore. We fixed nope. it. Nope, 
Nope, Great. it's all fixed. I, I did want to mention Larry Joshua. So he was he was uh, way back in the day. He was in The Burning, one of my favorite 80s horror films. But I always recognize him outside of Cop Rock, of course. I always recognize him, and maybe maybe other people do too, as uh, he's he's in the original the Spider-Man movie, the 2002 Spider-Man, and he's the wrestling promoter that uh, kind of screws over Spider-Man or Peter Parker, uh, who then you know then yells at him to stop the thief. I don't know if you guys remember that scene, but uh, so yeah, that's always what I remember him from outside of this. But yeah, love Larry Joshua again. Not not a ton to say about. A lot of these characters, just because we haven't, you know, we're kind of getting inklings on them. We don't get a whole lot of arc, but I really like his his performance. Also, I swear to God, when he was in this, uh, around this age, uh, he was kind of like the spitting image of Bob Costas. So that's all I can think about. Oh, sometimes. my God. <laughs> am I wrong? Right. Oh. Yeah. Am I? I don't know. If, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. No, I like it. Yeah, I could definitely see it. I, I wouldn't say you're wrong. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would have. I don't know if I would have picked that up, but I wouldn't say you're wrong. I'll take that. that. I'll take that. Well, uh, do we want to move on to uh, a a character? I don't. I don't know if he's going to turn out to be good or bad, Mm. because he's a guy that does kind of seem like he's covering for Larusso, and we don't really get a whole lot of his character. But we get like maybe he does seem like the kind of guy who's willing to kind of bend the rules to get uh, what he thinks of as criminals off the streets. I'm talking about uh, Detective Lieutenant Ralph Ruskin, played Mm by Ron McLarty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Renee, what do you got to say about this dude? No, I agree uh, with your synopsis because you just just don't know. And he definitely has a vested interest being married to a, uh, a police officer. Yeah, so. which is as, as he's the, is he a, the one who has the 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 like the kind of sad song the, the song solo she loves yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, which which reminded me of um oh crap uh, <laughs> never mind okay is it Shrek okay. no well but close though <laughs> oh, <God>. Chicago um, <laughs> oh okay r- r- um damn drawing a blank why am I drawing a blank on his name you guys know him you're like come on it's what's his name I'm like yes I know it's um uh, crap. <laughs> Uh, John C. Riley. Oh, okay. and he sings. Yeah. And he sings yeah. the 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 Mr. Nobody oh, record. Oh my God! Yeah. Like the Saran Wrap song or whatever. The Saran Wrap. It's this. It's this really sad song. It just yeah. reminds. Yeah, but it it rem- I never remember the Saran Wrap song. It's been a while something since like I saw that. it, but that's like Mr. Nobody, Mr. Sad Face or something. I don't know. It reminded me of that. Uh, just in terms of you know you have the the the. Just, though this one's a little different this one's more like you know she loves me and you know and all the, and things like this and it just, it just the way it's even filmed reminds me of that so <laughs> this song was mr cellophane <laughs> it was okay there we go mr. Nice. I love- saran wrap <laughs> nobody yeah we got, we got Man, you guys really yeah speaking of detectives you guys you got it closer than i did you got it closer than i did so. <laughs> but anyway yeah it just reminded me of that so yeah. and then so that was kind of interesting because that gets your sympathy, but then like you said, and I, I think part of it is that's why it it you know it's Botchko is known for for good writing and making you know well rounded characters. Very rarely are his characters cardboard cutouts and one dimensional. So he does try to make you know complex characters. Yeah. Well, I, I do have some other things to say about this guy, but I'm actually going to save it because we do have our next section is all about the songs in this mm. show or in this yeah. episode. So. Uh, I have some comments on that, but I'll, I'll save it. So, who else we got? Who else? Uh, who else do you guys want to touch on? 
Well, there's 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 Ronnie. I see, there Cox. are definitely more. I'm just no, there, no, no, no. Who I'm going to next? Uh, yeah, there, let's, there's, let's, there's good old Ronnie Cox. Let's go to Ronnie Cox. Yeah, who as as Chief Roger Kendrick. Yeah, and, and all I just remember is, is the, the main thing is he's got a Western gunslinger shooting gallery thing yes. in his office. I'm like, Which what he the seems fuck to, is like, this? He, I can't tell if he's shooting it with like real bullets or like what, but it seems How like was, sh- even if it's like a cap gun, it's, it feels like shooting a fake gun off in a police department would not yeah. be the best idea. Yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck? Who paid for this thing? Yeah. This, you know, oh, the taxpayers. Like, totally. Well, I was like, that looks like, what the hell? So it was, it was just really weird to yeah. me. But you know, you know who looks kind of like Ronnie Cox, at least in in martial law, is uh, David Carradine plays the bad guy, and it, oh, and it's weird. Yeah. He looks surprising, like he's wearing like a, a Ronnie Cox type suit, I and his hair it. even looks like Ronnie Cox. So it's just really kind of interesting. And and there he's not he doesn't play the police chief; he plays the head bad guy. Versus yeah. Billy Drago, who does play the police chief, but he's crooked in martial law too. But you you knew that from going in. I mean, it's not really a spoiler because you go in. It's Billy Drago. He's He's going to play the bad guy, right? You know, so. Well, speaking of being crooked, I actually don't know whether Chief Kendrick is crooked yet. And I should I should say, by the way, for those of you who aren't familiar with Ronnie Cox, uh, he had probably two of the best death scenes in any, like, late 80s, early 90s action films because he was in RoboCop. He was the, uh, like, the CEO that gets thrown out the window at the end, and he's got, like, the horrible arms that are like twice as long as his body <laughs> and then uh in total recall he is uh cohagan who is the guy at the end who gets uh kind of thrown out into the app uh the martian atmosphere without a uh helmet on and his like eyes bulge out and his you know head gets all nasty so he's got a but he's, see, he's oh sorry go no, ahead no i say to me he's always the guy from deliverance who plays the yeah, he's dueling banjos on on a guitar, but you know it's not a guitar. Does he have the potential? Is he actually using a banjo? I can't remember. But yeah, he's doing. He's does. He does dueling banjos with the kid at the beginning, and yeah. then he was. I also don't ask me why I remember this, but I think it was the summer replacement series. I'd have to look it up. But it was a series called Apple's Way, and he played a character called George Apple. And I don't even know. Only reason why I know his name was George Apple is because I just looked at it at IMDb. But I remember Apple's Way. That's all I remember, and I remember. It being like a, I think it was a summer replacement series, and I remember them doing a, a parody of it in Mad Magazine, which I'm like, well, people are gonna look at that and go, what the fuck is that? <laughs> but that's to me, that was like where I first saw. I didn't first see him in 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 Deliverance because I mean, I, I was only five when it came out, and and my parents were better than I am as a parent. And uh, though not that I showed my kids Deliverance, but uh, though interesting side note, um, the town that my wife grew up in is the town that they used it for. The long shots of the town, it's a uh, Silva in North Carolina up in the mountains. And so the town in Deliverance is uh, is um, the town my wife grew up in, oh, just to let you know. Nice. See, I thought you, I bet you thought I was going to tie that back to Cynthia. Rock, I was Rock, 90% you? sure you nope, were going to. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, good fake out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Anything but but else? still, Apple's Way, that's that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, well. well that, that's going to be for our, our, our later podcast. I was going to say, yeah. Because that actually has 28 episodes, so it's oh. far more than Cop Rock. So. That's almost three times as much as Cop Rock. Yeah. Nice. Renee, uh, any other thoughts on Ronnie Cox, or is there anyone else you would like to talk about? I don't have any thoughts on Ronnie Cox. Um, <laughs> however, you know, considering that we just talked about uh, Officer Vicki Quinn and her husband, Lieutenant Ralph Ruskin, maybe we should go ahead and touch on her partner, 
Officer Andy Campo. Oh, well, I think she's been touching on her partner a little bit as well. I was going to say, didn't we already talk about Andy (laughs) Campo? Yeah, pretty much just just in the the context of he desperately wants to sleep with her. (laughs) Okay, because I feel like I, that I feel like for some reason that you tried to say his name earlier, Giannopoulos. No, no, no. Yeah, David Giannopoulos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not, yeah. I mean, sorry. Uh, all I got is all I got is yeah, man. He's desperate. Uh, I was kind of uh, impressed. This is only his, uh, David Giannopoulos's second credit. Uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, anything, I anything else? Guy. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. let's talk about. Uh, there are a couple others. There are other couple oh, other yeah. characters I want to talk about, and let's actually move on to. Well, actually, let's see. Cops. Do we? I have. I have a few more. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about uh, before we move on to our not cops. Uh, wanted to mention Ernie Hudson, mm. who I you know always always love to see in everything. I mean he's been in a million things. Yeah. Most people recognize him as Winston from Ghostbusters, but you know he's been in Oz. He's been oh man, he's just he's just he's one of those actors. Anytime he shows up, I'm just like so excited. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he was only in the pilot, so. He Shame. was, yeah. He was recast. Although he was recast by Vondi Curtis Hall after the pilot, who yeah. is another another actor that I absolutely love. So yeah, you oh, know. So they they recast the character. They didn't write him out and write a new character in. Right, right. So yeah, I and I actually don't know why. My guess is maybe. I mean, this this happened back in the day because they would shoot these pilots, and then you know sometimes it would be a long time until the show was actually greenlit by the network. And so you'd actually have this. This would happen, you know, more often than it happens now where you'd have someone start a show. They'd be in the pilot and then they would just never show up again. Or sometimes they would have a character that's just recast after the pilot. So mm-hmm. I don't I, I seriously doubt Ernie Hudson was recast because you're like, uh, Ernie Hudson's not good enough. We got to cast someone else. So <laughs> it might have been Ernie Hudson was too expensive. We have to recast. It, it, um, it could have been. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This was this was right Maybe after he you couldn't know. sing. Right. But that's true. Yeah, but again, it, I can't it, believe it pro- that. It was probably like I you said either. in terms of production. We'd have to look at the production dates on these to see. Um, you know, they, they do it, they sell the pilot, and then he's like, "Well, well I've already got something else set up because we shot this a year ago." So, yeah. So, anyways, not. I really don't have anything to say about him other than I love Ernie Hudson, and yeah. uh, it's disappear- disappointing to hear though that he wasn't in. Uh, yeah any other episodes though. what yeah. they what they need to do when they reboot cop rock they need to do into the cop rock verse where we can have both ernie hudson and vonnie curtis hall as commander warren osborne meeting <laughs> <laughs> so all i'm saying uh steven botchko if you're out there if you're listening uh, uh you're actually probably not listening because he died like four years ago but i was gonna say well he might be yeah, that'd be kind of interesting <laughs> if the estate of steven botchko is listening <laughs> um yeah please give me a call i have some fan scripts for you anyways <laughs> it's <laughs> I think that I think that might actually do it in terms of in terms oh, the of the cops. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, well it, actually, there's there's it. He's not in this episode. He shows up in uh, episode seven. Whoa! Uh, spoilers. Copophiliac. I know. I know. As cop number two, and cop and episode eight. Uh, Pots don't fall me. Fail me now. Uh, Ted is uh, Lou Palumbo, and he was in Martial Law two undercover as Al Murphy. So yeah, oh, so there's there you there's go. Actually, a connection. <laughs> This whole time you've been desperately IMDb-ing trying to find No, no, no. This, I did my research before this because oh, okay. I knew we were doing Martial oh, Law and Martial Law so, 2. So this is a And I was doing my troll. due diligence. <laughs> and I, I have I have detailed information on both these both these films because I thought that's what we were talking about. Oh, I just happened to luckily happen to have watched Cop Rock. And so 
you know, recently and so was able to, you know, able to participate. Yeah. Oh, boy. I don't know what's in real anymore. So I'm going to move on and just mention, don't really have anything to say about him, but Officer Frank Rose, as portrayed by James McDaniel, uh, this is a guy that who's, his partner gets killed. And I have nothing else to say about him other than I appreciate his performance in this. So yeah. just wanted Agreed. to mention that. Agreed. But hey, guess what? There are more than just cops in this show. There are some, you know, prosecutors, there are politicians, there are some criminals as well, or alleged criminals, as I think we're supposed to say. So let's start with some of them. And I want to start with one, uh, one of my favorites in this show, uh, just because uh, Mayor Louise Plank, as played by Barbara Bossen, uh, who's apparently married to Bochco when this was made. She was, I guess they were married uh, 1970, 1990, 1970 to 1997. Um, and she had actually previously been in Hell Street Blues. But um, I love the fact that they basically just, like, whoever designed this character was just basically looking for a look. And someone just said, Margaret Thatcher. And they were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that they hair. Just... <laughs> Holy crap, yeah. that hair. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Actually, like, when we were watching this, uh, my wife said, I think he just did this show just for her. <laughs> I would not be surprised. I mean, yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah. And bless her, she did not have the best voice. Oh. But she gave are, it her all. She did are, give it her all. You guys are so nice. What 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 she what she lacks in voice, she makes up for with pizzazz. So we'll talk Absolutely. about her a little more. She's it, she she is game for it and she she goes for it wholeheartedly. Yeah, I will say as 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 we say down here in the south, bless her soul, bless bless her heart. <laughs> She's yeah. supporting her husband. So see, yeah, that's I'm I'm transplant. So. Oh yeah, there you go. You got it. You, it's a dead giveaway, Paul. Uh, well, yeah. I'm from the mid-Atlantic states. We're not the north or the south. I mean, oh, technically, okay. I'm from below the Mason-Dixon line, but Maryland never seceded because we're not <laughs> traitors. So, <laughs> you know, what can I say? But I think it's actually because they closed the state house and they couldn't secede. But that's you know, oh. my so family wasn't here then anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, guess what? Uh, speaking of uh, traitors, I would say that Mary Louise Park Plant. Uh, <laughs> Mary Louise Park. Mayor Louise Plank. I don't know why I wanted to call her Louise Parker. I still got Spider-Man on the brain from when we were talking about uh, Larry Joshua. But um, she's a, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we're talking about some of the cops being bad, man. She's a, she's a bit of a crooked politician. Yeah. She's taking bribes. Yeah. Huh. And, and also she, it buys again into that sort of early nineties, early mid nineties, super predator mentality. I mean, she actually refers to people as animals. Yeah. Um, during the songs. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, I literally wrote that line down. And well, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute yeah. um, for yeah. sure. Uh, so, yeah, love her performance. Love her. Uh, love, love her spirit. Love her spirit. <laughs> and, and her hair. And, and her, hair. her hair. Oh, my and her, God. And her clothes. Yeah, basically everything about her. I love everything about her. But, hey, let's let's go on to a couple other people I just wanted to mention. Uh, don't really have a lot to say about him. But again, just want to call out Armin Shimmerman as Mursky. He is the, uh, I guess he's like the defense uh, prosecutor or whatever. Love oh, yeah, we, we, yeah, when we popped up, I said, oh, my God, it's Armin Shimmerman. So he's like, who? I'm like, it's Quark, it's Quark. Yeah. It's Quark. And I said, and, and don't you remember, he also played Judge Younger in Eye for an Eye, 1996, the the, um, the the Sally Field film, where Cynthia Rothrock happened to play Tina. Oh, so, yeah, I do yeah, remember so that. So they, were, they yeah. were credited together. That they're like the only two people in this whole thing that we're credited with. Or trust me, I spent a long time earlier searching. But yeah, um, before we were recording this. 
but uh yeah she, yeah it's so yeah there you go i don't think they had any scenes together in fact i have no idea about that movie's about but i was like but wait they wait we're in it together wait hold on you're telling me what? that there's a cynthia rothrock movie that you haven't watched no, yeah. Well, there's actually quite a few I haven't watched, to be honest. You call Wait. yourself a Rothrock head. Jesus. Uh, no, the <laughs> nice thing is there's there's always more to talk There's always, that's true. That's true. You know, you know it's there, I still have I still have goals. Yeah, so. there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Armin Shimmer, don't have a lot to say about him other than I just Except love him. Except he's quirk. He's, well, he's quirk, and, yeah, he's been in some, uh, you know, he's been in a ton of stuff. But, yeah, yeah, if you're a fan of Star Trek, you recognize him as quirk. He's also... Uh, he also shows up in a couple of episodes of Buffy. I think he's like, isn't he like the the principal? Has anyone seen Buffy? I don't know. It's been a long time, but yeah. Yes, uh, it was a long time. Ago. I was not. I was not a big Buffy fan beyond a shot. Okay. So I watched some of it. So okay. Well, I just know he's on there. But yeah, I love him. I love uh, love whenever he shows up. And that's all I got to say about that. So let's talk about someone else. How about Art Kimbrough as Tyrone Weeks, who's kind of at the center of this episode because he's the guy who allegedly kills the cop and they're kind of trying to hunt down. So interesting thing about him, apparently he did a lot of voice work, including I uh, did some voice work for a uh, favorite kind of sleeper hit of mine, drag me to hell. Again, what don't voice have... work did he do in that? What... Uh, he did. He, I think he did the voice of, Oh man, let me, let me, and, let me yeah. Cause me, it's not, I'm not thinking like any, like, so yeah. So he was, he, he did the voice of uh, Lamia, which I think I can't actually remember what that is. Oh, it's been a long, that been a long time since I watched that. It was movie, like a spirit, isn't it? I think so. I'm assuming, yeah, yeah, or like a demon or something. But yeah. yeah. So uh, again, not a whole lot to say about him, but I just wanted to call out. I, I I like his his performance. I like the fact that he's he is. I I almost wish that he had been in the show more. I almost wish that he had been kind of like a a longer term kind of. I don't if not, not. I don't know if villain's the right word, but kind of like a antagonist here Mm -hmm. because i i do kind of love the fact that he's kind of relishing how when hollander goes in there and he knows that nothing that they have on him is going to stick and hollander knows it too uh because he tells those other guys but i don't know i i actually really really like his performance in this so oh actually i i didn't i thought it reminded me of like a lot of like early 90s gang member Mm -hmm. performances that were just like they they just they seemed very kind of over the top to me. It didn't it well. didn't seem yeah. It, so I I did not particularly care for it. But okay, well I say we could probably yeah. blame that on the writers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean yeah. The lines I'm not, the lines weren't necessarily great, but I did I did like the way that you know his his performance is the little, way he was able to yeah yeah yeah. It was a little. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean I interrupted you. Oh no! no I, I was saying as as little of it as there is, I, I yeah. appreciate it so. Uh, it would have been of, interesting to see that as a longer story arc. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I, I wish that had been kind of like a long-term thing. Um, I, I think that, you know, Botchko did that in a lot of his shows, but I think that, you know, this is still back in the 90s when a lot of these shows didn't have a lot of, a lot of the, like, multi-episode or multi-season arcs that you see nowadays. So I'm saying, you know, uh, the the Cop Rock relaunch can, uh, can get into <laughs> some more meaty storylines. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Who else do I have on my list? I did want to mention Dion Anderson as Judge C.S. Adams. Mm. A bit of a pivotal role because he's the one that lets Weeks go. And just want to mention him because he kind of ties into our coverage on Cult of the Cathode Ray because he appeared in The Shawshank Redemption as Head Bull Haig. So I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. 
definitely interesting. All right. <laughs> you know what else got? is interesting? Well, it, again, this they don't show up until episode six of Cop Rock, uh, Ollie of Olay. Um, but it's Jim. Oil of Olay? Jim what? Yeah, well, it was O L I. Oh, 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 it's the, it was a pun. It's the pun title. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, Jim Ryan plays his uncredited homeless dancer in that. Oh, and yeah, I remember he him. Plays, yeah, and then in, in Martial Law 2 Undercover, he plays the uncredited role of Jovial Barfly. So, you know, he's got that sort of, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky Yeah, it's kind of typecast. But actually, it does kind of stick on the, the, the titles of the episodes, like you mentioned, and we can kind of get into this, like, further episodes we do of this, the uh, the, the puntastic titles that are oh, kind of a, sort of a Stephen Bochco trade. That's a Bochco, yeah, that's a Bochco classic right there. Yeah, and Paul, Paul's going to go back and listen to this episode be very confused when he only talks for, like, two minutes, by the way. He's going to be like, what happened to all this, all this stuff? It was a cal- it's, a calculated, it's a calculated risk. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. All right, I got I got one more here that I just wanted to call out. Uh, the character is actually kind of cliche. This is, again, kind of silly 90s stuff, but I think uh, I think the performance is decent. Kathleen Wilhoit, or Will Wilhoit, yeah, as Patricia Spence. Who uh, mm. kind of has a mini arc here, where you know she uh, she has a baby, she's a drug addict, and she's trying to keep the baby. She's I don't know if you could say she's trying to be a good mom, but she's trying to be a mom, I guess. And uh, you know I don't know. I, this is kind of like trademark like '90s like I don't know drama fodder, mm. but I don't know. I thought she did a good job. So you guys have well, any, I, any thoughts on her? Yeah, when she came on, I, Shelley and I looked at each other and said. Does she always play drug addicts? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that was like her, her like stock and trade, I think, was basically a variations on that character. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, it was interesting because her motivations at the end, you're like, uh, is she simply selling the baby for cash to get drugs? Or is she selling it because she's like, I can't provide for this baby. And she thinks she's, you know, this baby's going to go to a good home where it's like, I don't know, the baby's probably going to either be you know, sold into, you know, uh, human trafficking or is going to be ground into, you know, chicken feed. Oh, so, um, yeah. So, but she, th- she thinks she's doing the right thing. You know, she thinks she's doing the best thing for that baby. And it's, it's just kind of, so, but she does a great job with it, but it really is sort of her. I mean, I, I was trying to think what other role she's been in, but whenever I picture her, that's that kind of role. So. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. She was in ER for a while. I think she played like the drugged out sister of <laughs> like one of the main characters. That's probably, I bet you that's the role I remember. Yeah. From. I bet you that's the one I, role I remember from. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny because like looking at the filmography of like all of the people who are in this show, it's a it's just hilarious like how typecast people could get, especially back in kind of this era. Oh my there gosh! Were so, there were so many. Oh, go, what's? The... Oh no! I was just I, I, my my exclamation was in agreement with you because like everybody <laughs> went on to do cop shows. Well, <laughs> like... yeah, so so all like most of the people who went on who played cops went on to be cops in other shows. Uh, yeah, like you said, like she she probably went on to play like junkies. Uh, the guys who played judges went on to play judges in other shows. It's like <laughs> it's just very funny that like these people would basically get typecast. And then since yeah. this was like a subgenre that was just huge in the '90s, that it, it, they could basically always find work because they always needed like a judge or a cop or whatever <laughs> to, in like the 90 different shows that were on over this decade. So yeah, yeah, even still, I think. <laughs> So yeah oh yeah that's true that's true i mean i i totally ignore now that it's so easy to ignore network television i'm not even aware of a lot of the stuff but 
yeah any other characters any other characters that anyone wants to talk about or i think that's cool. all the ones i got cool yeah yeah me too <laughs> well Sorry. no that's that's I'm good sorry. yeah like i said uh lots of uh not a lot to say a lot of, about a lot of these characters just because I, I think we'll have more to say in future episodes about how they develop and stuff so uh, before we move on, I did want to mention, since we don't really have a section for it, but behind-the-scenes stuff, I did want to mention that this uh, the show is shot by Newton Thomas Siegel, or Siegel, Siegel, and this is the only episode he shot. He only shot the pilot, and thought it was kind of interesting that he actually shot a lot of big movies after this, so he would go on to do cinematography on X-Men, X2, Superman Returns, Three Kings, The Usual Suspects, and Drive, so... Uh, you can't really see it. I know that there are a lot of like bad rips of this show out there. If you get the DVD, you can actually appreciate this is actually a pretty well shot show, which is something, you know, I think that, uh, I think that it doesn't get the respect sometimes, you know, a lot of people think it's hokey, especially a lot of people who haven't actually watched it and haven't been sucked in like, you know, like you actually get when you, when you actually sit down and watch one of these episodes. But I was, every time I watched this episode, I'm like, man, this is, this is actually a really, really well made show. So, just wanted to mention that, but hey, let's. Yeah, I would have to. I'd have to see. I think Renee would agree. We both watched as the, as <laughs> as the internet, as the kids on the internet would say, it looked like it was filmed through a potato. Yeah. The uh, the version on IMDb. I mean, there was. I found a second. Oh, not IMDb on, on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. Other version was a little better. It's sort of like how the difference between like martial law and martial law two. Martial law looks like it was. You know, it's it's got sitcom lighting. It look or, or, or cheap porn lighting. It's all flat and just kind of crappy versus but when you get to martial law 2 it's much more cinematic it's got nice use of shadows and light and is is much much better so it's that same kind of thing <laughs> all right well you, i'm sure you agree i i totally agree let's <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it even bears any more discussion because we're in complete agreement so let's move on to the section i think uh we're, we've really been waiting for and i think all of our listeners have been waiting for because this is why cop rock is so special because it's got music and lyrics, which is the name of our next section, where we're going to talk about the songs in the show. We're going to really talk about kind of our favorites. You know, are there any things that we, anything that jumped out at us about these songs? It's all open for discussion. And so real quick, uh, we mentioned at the top, Randy Newman obviously composed the theme for this show. And even if you, even if his name wasn't in the opening credits, which I don't think it is, you'd still know because the, the opening credits are pretty much just him <laughs> playing the piano. And Randy Newman, of course, would go on. I mean, he got he was I mean, he was already a pretty big recording artist. But I think uh, if God, I don't think there's anyone in the world who doesn't know his music from like Toy Story. That's where I first heard him. <laughs> but like I said, my dad's a huge Randy Newman fan. So I heard a lot of his stuff growing up. And I also want to mention music producer on the show, Mike Post, who I mentioned earlier and God, you want to talk about musical juggernauts. So this guy, I mean, he wrote I didn't even write down the number. But he wrote the themes to, like, tons and tons of shows. But uh, just just a, a sampling of some of the shows that he wrote themes for. Uh, the Commish, Blossom, Quantum Leap, Hill Street Blues, Magnum P.I., NYPD Blue, News Radio, and uh, probably my favorite out of the bunch, he did the theme to Law & Order. So kind of a legend. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy was, I mean, just a, a juggernaut. He did, you know, if, if you were a... Wow, those are all really good ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like he was he was like the go- he was the guy. Like if you were, if you were making a primetime drama in the eighties or in the nineties, and you needed a catchy theme song, that he was the guy. So Mike Post, uh, you know, he worked on the music on this. Um, 
that's all I have to say about that. Just uh, you know, he's. I think you actually see him in the opening too. I think he's playing, uh, playing the theme. But anyway, I was gonna say yeah. You said it's just Randy. New- the opening isn't just Randy Newman. It's it's well everyone kind of coming in and just just jamming to Randy yeah, Newman. This, this true. It is the goofiest damn <laughs> yeah, opening. It's good. It's great. They're just kind of. They're just kind of, yeah, hey, this is great, man. They just kind of nod. You can't see me. I'm nodding my head to the music. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, this is is really cool. And Go, Randy Newman, and we're inhaling your cigarettes. Yeah, it's a great song, guys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to open it up. You jamming to it too, Renee? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Outside of the the theme, this this episode has, I believe, five original songs. And I'm going to toss it over to you guys and – kind of let you choose which ones we talk about wow it's funny because i only remember four of them <laughs> okay <laughs> really i i yeah i don't know I, I don't know why if you remind me that the yeah you'll remember so, as we go so the one i don't remember at least based on the title is you're the one for me so, so which oh. one's that yeah that, you'll remember that one oh. the title threw me off oh too. that's the barbara Boson. Yeah, okay yeah. yeah all right then what's the, i thought that was the we got the power which one's the we got the power no man that's that's the that's the one that, <gasps> Is that the, that's the one that if you if you tuned into the show if you were sitting at home if you were sitting yeah. at home at, on on september 26th oh, wait, that, was, that was wait that was hold on that was oh you know what it is it, it's oh it's sorry that goes into the that was that part of the the courtroom one no no did that hold on i'm board? telling you i'm telling you hold on Okay. If you were sitting at home on September 26, 1990, and you had not heard of Cop Rock, you you hadn't seen the promos, you hadn't read about it in TV Guide, and you watched the first five minutes of the show, and you're like, oh, man, it's another gritty Stephen Bochco joint. Oh, that 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 was the song that would have blown your fucking mind. Oh, (laughs) God. We got the power. We got the power. Yeah. I I remember that that one. Okay, never mind. I, yeah. I, I, I know them all now. <laughs> you know I them remember all. them all. I mean, I know them all by heart, but that's because I've watched this episode probably 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's no sexy sack solo, but what it can is, I say? Yeah, well, you know, just uh, wait wait for future episodes, and uh, we'll see that's if true. there's any sexy sacks. But, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, Paul, as, as a relative newcomer, uh, was there any song in here that really stood out to you? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll mention this one because because uh, I'll be interested. I, I I think I know Renee's reaction to this one. Uh, Sandman. Yeah, well, you bring Karen, me a treat. Will- oh wait, this is well, a different song. No, that's that's Karen uh, Wilhoit as she's selling off her child. But I think what you're watching, you don't know she's selling her child off. She's sitting there singing to the baby very sadly, and you don't realize it till like the end of the song that that. She's selling it off, right? If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And but I mean, it's it's actually interesting because I could see, I I could see her doing that. I mean, it actually mm-hmm. made sense, even in was it diegetic? Yeah, diegetic. Right yeah, diegetic way, way that she would even be singing this song to her baby as she's saying goodbye to it. And at, at first, I was thinking, "Oh fuck, is the baby dead?" Is my <laughs> first thought was like. Oh my God! She didn't take care of the baby, and the baby's Look dead. And she's singing to the thing. I was like, Oh Christ! And then, and then I was like, Oh man, that's that's really fucking dark. Mm. I was like, Oh no, she's just selling her child yeah. off for oh, two hundred dollars. Oh, dark wait, as... that's also dark. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. I was like, Yeah, but you know, two hundred dollars went two hundred dollars in in nineteen ninety. What was you know you know? So anyway, yeah. um, so yeah, it was. Yeah, I I actually liked it because it made sense for that character. Um in you know in terms of what she was doing and i could again she sees her as she sees herself as um 
as you know, I, I can't take care of this baby. This baby will be dead. But of course, like I said, I was watching it thinking, oh my God, the baby's dead. That's pretty fucking harsh. Or she's getting ready to kill the baby. So it doesn't, Ooh. you know, so, well, to put it out of his misery. Yeah, I, well, I went in a dark place, I guess. Oh, by the way, you know, $200 sounds bad, but you know, in today's money, that's like $434. Oh, yeah. So, hey. Anything Which from I, CPS. Yeah. I believe back in 1990, you could buy a car with that sort of money. So, yeah. So, so there you yeah. go. So that, that was, that was my thoughts on that that song was it was actually like that was actually it was pretty good and it fit in uh, to me it actually fit probably the best of most of the it it felt less artificial and mm-hmm. felt more natural to the story right I think, than, than any of the other songs you're, so mm. sorry paul you're telling me that he's guilty you're telling me the guy flips open his desk and there's a piano in it that didn't feel organic to you oh i i, I like that it was fun it's over the top but in terms <laughs> of kidding. yes I'm kidding. Flowing, flowing naturally from the story, um, this this seemed to fit real well. Though it's a kind of a weird one to end the show on, mm. because but again, this is because like, you're looking at this is a episodic series. That's the that's I think the weird thing about doing a, a musical is that you know you're usually going to have some sort of showstopper, even if it it has like a sad ending it's going to have sort of a showstopper feel to it. You know, show, show, well, I guess the finale, you know, there's something going on, even if it's a quiet finale. But this, I don't know. But I, I liked it. But you guys, what do you think? It didn't leave you wanting more. Didn't leave you with a cliffhanger like what happened to that baby? <laughs> no, I was, like, I was like, oh, Jesus, that was it pretty did, harsh. It didn't wrap as, up her story. As, it what, did, it did or it did? It did, yeah. Oh, I didn't think it did. I was waiting to see more from her, like later in the. It's just, she. Hmm. That's it. They they don't go back to her at some point. I would we'll have thought they would have. See. You know, I was gonna say. Yeah, you have to stay tuned. I would have podcast. thought there'd been more more to her, and they're like, "You sold off your baby. You know, we found your baby ground let's, in the dog meat." Yeah. Oh, God. So like, oh. yeah, let's say there there is actually some more to that story, but that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay, Sandman. That so that is that is that Paul? Would you say that that's your your favorite out of the? Uh, out of the, the episode? No, I think that was that was just one okay. that kind of struck me the, the most interesting to kind of talk about. I mean, the the, the you know, the, the big kind of I guess the the he's guilty is the sort of big crowd pleaser yeah. showstopper, you know, da, 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 tap your feet. Woohoo. Well, you know, and it was fun. But but in terms of uh, meaty song, there's there's a couple that struck me as the most meaty songs. And that's that. And she she chose me, which, again, are they sort of the the the, oh. you know. I know, and Renee's like, "Oh my God, those are the ones you want to shoot yourself in the face for." <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's what I thought. <gasps> okay, well, Renee, but I, th- I think it had to do with maybe the maybe the mood I was in while I was watching it. Yeah, I think. yeah. So. Or d- d- depressed and crying. <laughs> oh no, I wanted to be. I yeah, oh, you wanted to be. Was, yeah, you know, it, it yeah. was a game. It was. It was. I felt them to be cathartic. And going, gee, I could have sold off my children because then that way I wouldn't have to be picking them up at the airport <laughs> That's at true. midnight. Hey, there, there's still time. You could probably get still get 200 That's bucks true. for that kid. That's true. Or 430. But it kind of get 443. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I will say, like the, the kind of a, you kind of brought up a, a a point there though that that I wanted to make, which is I think that the most amazing thing to me about this episode is just the variety. Like, so this is Randy Newman composed all of these songs, mm. but they are wildly different. Like they are not. They don't just feel like, oh yeah, this is, these are all Randy Newman songs, which a few of them definitely do, but you get yeah. kind of like these rock anthems. You get a what is basically a lullaby. You get kind of like the solo song, and then you have, like you said, you know, the he's guilty is kind of like the crowd pleaser, and that's just basically a straight up gospel song. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's just it's just amazing like what how much variety there is. But uh, I'm kind of interested to hear. So <laughs> Renee, what uh, what what are your what are your picks? What are your picks for this one? What's your favorite? Well. My favorite, and it's funny because I don't really consider myself to be a, a gospel music fan. Uh, not that I, you know, don't enjoy it when I see it, but maybe it was uh, in comparison to other songs. Now, I will say there was another song that has become more endearing to me since you pointed something out. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I think that He's Guilty was my favorite song. Um, just like you said uh, you know, you really nailed it with the flip back piano desk, <laughs> yeah. um, right? The jury busting out in robes. It was, it was just lovely. Yeah, it brought energy. Yeah, I, I will say, uh, God, I actually can't remember which one of these guys. Let me actually look it up here, and I'll, I'll edit it, and make it sound like I actually know what I'm talking about, as always. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be um, cool. Which which guy is it? Um, let me see, because the the juror, but I can't remember which actor it is. Oh, oh yeah. L- okay, sorry. <clears throat> so yeah, <clears throat> I'll let him see. Uh, so yeah, yeah. L- uh, Lewis Price, who plays the 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 four person, who's kind of you know the guy that starts the song, and suddenly has the the robes on. He's actually, I, I guess, he's like a gospel, or he must be like a gospel singer, because he's actually oh. got uh, a handful of credits, and they're all for like being in choirs and doing like gospel music. So. Yeah, I mean, he, God, I mean, he just totally owns his song. I mean, mm. I think it's funny, <laughs> Renee, you said you're not a gospel fan. My my personal take on gospel is, like, I would I would not in a million years consider myself a gospel fan. I've never, like, actively tried to be like, okay, I want to listen to gospel music. I, you know. Right. When I hear, when I hear a gospel song, my <laughs> foot starts tapping. My head starts bobbing. <laughs> I start... I, you know, I start praising Jesus. I, you know, I can't help myself. It's just, it's just the, the genre of music that, like, even if you're not a fan, it's like there's something about it. It that gets it's you. Just, it's the soul. It, it, it is. It's you. the soul. It's the soul. And it's like, yeah. So I think that, uh, I think, I think this, this, this number actually kind of perfectly captures that where it's just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, gospel's like far down on my list of music that I would just actively listen to. But yeah, I, uh, especially if it's a performance exactly yes Yes. oh yeah that you get the 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 coordination of the the singers Mm. yeah so i don't know actually you know the one the one thing i call me a heretic the one thing that didn't work for me in this is that i expected it like oh yeah when the i was like oh they're gonna put the song in when they give the verdict Ah, you know i like hey which i guess that's not bad but to me it just i was like oh okay you know, maybe I was maybe it wasn't sad enough for me. You know. Oh yeah, it wasn't downbeat. Yeah, I, guess, I don't know if there's a such thing as downbeat. I mean, there is like very morose gospel, but at the same time, even I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one that actually did kind of surprise me uh, back in the day because you know, well, none of this stuff surprises me now. But the <laughs> I don't think it feels quite as organic, but I do actually kind of like it, and that is you're the one for me. From my Barbara Boston and Luther Kent, by the way, which uh, I wanted to mention Luther Kent. Uh, he's credited as a Frank Newbold. He's the guy like the, with the, the the beard in this uh, in the scene. Was he the one that opened he's the with song? The yeah. 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 Okay. Apparently, this is his only credit ever. So <laughs> I wow. thought that was kind of oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. I... Did he change his name <laughs> to do more stuff? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I don't know why you'd be embarrassed by cop rock, but. <laughs> yeah, really. So, yeah, co- come on. There, there was actually some interesting stuff in this, and this is actually, I think we're going to have have a, there are a couple of characters 
that uh, I think the songs are actually an interesting place to talk about their characters a little more in depth. And uh, Paul, you mentioned that uh, the you know Barbara uh, uh, Barbara Bosson Boss uh, as, as yeah. the mayor, she has a line in this song that I thought was kind of interesting. Do you, did you have a note on that? Because I don't. Well, that was that was I just kind of noted while I was watching because I wasn't taking notes because I didn't think we were going to be talking about it. Oh, it that's right. Happen, I just happened to be watching this, <laughs> and but it, it did did strike my strike me as yeah. Oh fuck! That's as that's as nineties. I mean, granted, I think that was more like uh, mid to late nineties because that was definitely during uh, during the Clinton administration kind of thing where yeah. they did the um, where they were talking about super predators and shit. Yeah, but I think it's sort of the lead up to that. I really do. Well, it's kind of interesting though because to me, when she sa- she has that line, it's actually kind of more telling on her because. Right. So, the, so the, the I actually did write this long this line down because it always jumps out at me. But she sings, uh, "Is it wrong to cheat, to rob, and steal, and lie? How couldn't we go on this cruel and empty way? Uh, excuse me. Are we no better than the animals who prey outside? Of course we are. And I actually love this line because basically she knows she's corrupt. She knows yeah. that they're all criminals. She's actually aware of it." And then she's she's measuring this and still saying like oh yeah but it's okay because we're not like those animals which I mean obviously the undertones are pretty obvious here yeah but we're um, the good guys we're the good guys yeah because we're you know corrupt and taking bribes and everything but you know we're we're not like those other people so I don't know I thought that was kind of interesting it actually made me like hate her character all the more just because you kind of <laughs> see like <laughs> you know what a scumbag she is but yeah. Yeah, the hypocrisy of it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anything else about this number other than, I will admit, uh, Barbara Vossan, not the best voice in this show. But, uh, like I said, she makes up for it. She's got pizzazz. She's got well, I th- spirit. Oh, good. Or, I think it's interesting they didn't like re- they didn't really um, re-record it. My understanding is that they yeah. did almost all the recording right on yeah, set, which is rare. Like it was not, yeah, which was not really? it was not ADR'd. Yeah, you would think that they would definitely ADR it or pre-record it and then mime to it. But yeah, my understanding was all done, hmm. you know, basically live on set, which wow. kind of explains, I guess, why they didn't. But you'd still think like. Boy, that was not the greatest performance. Let's do it. Maybe that was the best one they got. <laughs> and they're like, mm, and this was the days before auto-tune. So. Well, I, I think, you know. like, to me, that's almost what makes this show so special, though, is there are imperfections to it. And they do have some, I mean, obviously they cast a lot of people because they could sing, but they do have some people in the show who aren't necessarily the best singers. And like you said, they they record it live, which if, you know, people who, who don't know a lot about, like, TV and movie stuff, like, Anytime you hear someone singing, anytime you hear music, anytime you hear any of that in a movie, none of that's actually filmed live. So, I mean, it's exceedingly rare for that to happen. But, yeah, so when they were recording these songs, it was almost all of them. They would basically, I mean, the the music was recorded and they would play the music, but then the actual singing was kind of captured, you know, during the performance and it wasn't dubbed over, which is just very rare. But I don't know. Yeah, I kind of like that, though, because it does kind of, it does kind of, lend an air of authenticity to it and i don't know i don't know it's got a, a certain charm to it i think you know i was thinking there might actually have been a budgetary reason for that as well when you're doing a film you have the time and the budget to go back and and adr everything and make sure everything's perfect when you're doing a television program even a high-end expensive one you're still on a much tighter schedule and so 
I don't, you know, I don't think they had would have time. I mean, it's going to be more complex as it is doing a drama and a musical sort of at the same time to to make it to add that much more production expense of having to redo or do the do the the the, the singing ADR. I mean, because every production's got some ADR, but to do the, the complete songs that way. So that might have been a, a choice partially for. Uh, budgetary and and time management reasons. Yeah, uh, if I remember correctly, I think that this episode, the the pilot, I remember. I think I remember reading that this was filmed in something like two weeks, which is yeah. kind of crazy to me. Just yeah. <laughs> considering, like you said, all the the complications of you know having the having all the songs and the dance and all that. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, pretty impressive, if you ask me. Uh, had another comment here and uh we're gonna pretend i didn't bring this up before and you guys can be amazed but uh is it just me or in the, during this number is the baseline not ripped just totally directly from the steve miller band's the joker i'm going to be very direct here i want this jail i want it fast yes ma'am and i'm hoping you're the man that can build it for me are you that man, Frank? You bet. First of all, I'd like to let you know that I really do admire you so. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. I concur. <laughs> yes, I, concur. I agree. Yeah, which Renee, Renee thought I was talking about a different song and she thought I was smoking crack. She was like, no, I, did. I think that's just you. And then I and then I sent I sent her. Yeah. If, if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to this song. You only have to listen to like the first 20 seconds and then go listen to the Joker by Steve Miller Band, which it, if even if you're not a, familiar with that song or you don't think you are, you, you definitely are. And, yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just tell me I'm crazy. Tell me that, uh, yeah, Randy Newman wasn't borrowing a little bit there. Yeah, I was really, I was so ready to just blindly agree with you. And I thought, <laughs> let me just double check real quick. And, you know, you referenced the the courtroom and I thought, oh, okay, it's going to be the, the jury select or, you know, the, the verdict rather. And um, I listened to it and I thought, oh boy. Um, and then I, honest to God, I started playing with the speeds because I thought, well, maybe he's watching it in like, <laughs> sp- like 1.25 or something. Oh, and yeah. I was like, no, that's not right. And I was like, oh, man, how do I how do I tell him that he's really way off? And <laughs> I just really tried to be very delicate. Um, but then, yeah, when you uh, clarified which one it was, I, I, it smacked me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love how Renee is afraid to just. I mean, you should know now. I am very often totally full of shit, and you you shouldn't hesitate to tell me that. But, anyways, anything else to say about this one, or do we want to move on to my favorite pick? Let's move on to your favorite pick. Oh boy. Okay, so Renee, you can actually tell me why I'm full of shit for this one. But my favorite song out of all these, I actually think that my favorite number in this episode is "Since She Chose Me." Formed by Ron McLarty. This is the uh, number, of course, when Vicky Quinn comes home. And it's actually kind of a kind of a, a twist here because we, we don't actually know. She mentions, you know, she's talking to Campo earlier, and she's like, "Oh yeah, my my husband would kill you." So we know she's married, 
but we don't have any actual reference to who her, who her husband is is till she gets home and we see uh, the other detective there and you know it's obviously a bit jarring because this guy is significantly older than her um she's a she's a very young she's a very attractive young police officer and uh he is neither young nor attractive in my humble opinion no offense but um the thing so so that is the sort of thing where i don't know there are a lot of shows that would kind of do that and that would just be like a thing like yeah these two characters are together (laughs) and as a viewer you'd be like but why and they would never really try to explain it but so the thing i love i actually do love about this song is this character is painfully aware <laughs> that he there's no there is no world in the universe where he should be with this woman <laughs> like he is painfully painfully aware of all of his shortcomings he actually like i mean he's he gets deep into it you know he talks about how he's not fun to talk to he's not interesting he's not attractive he's not young he's he's going off on it basically on himself and he's kind of like still you know talking about how she still chose me and the thing that's interesting to me about this though is we see some other references to you know we see her with campo and i don't know we the the thing that you know always gets me about this number is like is she or is he just saying like oh yeah there you know i have all these shortcomings and there are all these reasons that she shouldn't be with me but you know, thank God she she did chose she did choose me in the end. Or is this is he trying to say in this song that he he's enjoying the time that he has with her because he knows that it's not going to last? Could be a little bit of both. I mean, it's it's it, like I said that that's it. I, it's got that kind of sad feel to it. Like you say, hey, she chose me. I feel so good. I'm so, you know I'm like. Gee, it's special she chose me, but yeah, she chose me, and um, yeah, I, I like that interpretation of it. That kind of maybe this is not, um, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't gonna, you know, I, it's 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 on borrowed time. Yeah, you know, what's funny is when that when when that scene first started, I was like, oh, he's your dad. I mean, that was the first thing. I, <laughs> oh yeah, I, that's the first thing. I, yeah. Well, he's yeah. he's he's literally he's literally twenty years old. Yeah. Than her. And I mean that's that's something they do, they do that in films and 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 TV shows all the time where the the man is twenty years older than the woman. You know, you've got somebody who's in their forties romancing somebody in their twenties, and you're like, you know what? And but it was interesting in this one is he he looks twenty years older than her. You know, you can really see the age difference versus some other ones. Um, just an interesting side note: uh, Shelley and I did go see the. The new um, Sandra Bullock film, hmm. uh, The Lost City, last night. And the interesting thing about that is, there the female lead is 16 years older than the male love interest, which hmm. was kind of a neat, nice sort of turn on its head. And also to see a a, a woman in her mid to late 50s as the the sexy lead in a romantic comedy so hmm. just a side note there yeah. but that was uh Which, getting political yeah political. by the way if, if sandra bullock is listening if she would like that sort of relationship in real life uh she can feel free to re- <laughs> reach out to me <laughs> and we can figure something out <laughs> anyways sorry go ahead so yeah so but anyway so it, it was interesting because there instead of playing it as a lot of times it's played as 
oh yeah, there's, there's, you know, this is fine. And there's fine, you know, relationship, you know what, if two people love each other, I don't give a shit. As long as they're consensual, you know, it's consensual, then that's fine. Right. But still, um, it, it breaks the, the half your age plus seven creepy rule. I don't know if you realize that that's the, that's the general rule that, um, if you, you, somebody needs to be half your age plus seven, if it's less than, if they're younger than that, then it's creepy. Plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, actually, so just, if you're using it for the rule of thumb, totally, totally, totally random aside. But uh, this is, this, it's kind of funny that this is. I mean, this is something that kind of has always been like a weird thing that you know TV and movies do, and they still do. Because I, 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 you just reminded me. There's this new movie on Hulu called Deep Water. I don't know if you guys have seen the ads for this, but Ben Affleck is in it. And I was like, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just looked yeah. it up because I was like, every time I see the poster, I'm like, this dude looks way older than this woman who I believe is supposed to be his wife. And I just looked it up. And he is he is yeah. exactly – he's almost exactly 16 years older than the actress that plays his wife in this movie. <laughs> so oh my God. I'm like – and again, yeah, Ben Affleck, he doesn't look super old. But still, yeah, it's that kind of like, oh, man, like seriously. Anyways. So just to put it in perspective, Ron McLarty was was like forty three, um, and she was twenty three. Yeah, yeah. There so yeah, and that's that definitely breaks the cr- half your age plus seven creepy rule. She was <laughs> yeah. she should have been at least twenty eight and a half for it not to be creepy. It was creepy. I thought it was her her her, her father. First. I did too when she came inside. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. And then she's oh, like wait. going to bed, and I was like, uh oh. <laughs> oh yeah, that ain't her dad. Mm-hmm. And but it took a little bit. It was it was really took a bit to. Mm-hmm. to but I guess in that in this case, it actually was intentional. So that, mm-hmm. which is neat that they make that a an issue when so, you know, so. Yeah. So Renee, it sounded like you hate this song. What's what are your your thoughts on this one? So the problem for me actually between both of these is actually not I shouldn't say it's not lyrical it's not um it's not like they were both placed well contextually everything made sense um I hate ballads I just hate a ballad I'll take a power ballad <laughs> oh, yeah. all day long you know but oh I hate a ballad that's just that's where it got me okay fair enough a power ballad if they did a power ballad like with since she chose me that probably could have been pretty great oh yeah like if he had if he had started out quiet and morose and like halfway through like like started jamming out on the electric guitar exactly yeah like jump up on the desk and there's like (laughs) explosions and since she chose me yeah Yeah. that's funny because i i I do not care for power ballads oh my god What is wrong with you? Anyways, all right. Oh, but it's okay that she doesn't like ballads. Yes. Man, now a good murder ballad? Give me a good murder ballad oh, any day. Can we all murder agree that a good shit. murder ballad is, is good? Yeah, I was going to say, now you have my... Okay, you, you got okay. Me back hey, now. look, we, we found some common <laughs> yeah. ground. I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah. All right, well, that is, I think, everything. We did mention we got the power at the top. Uh, I think that's actually a great number. I like... It's pretty short, though. Don't have a mm-hmm. ton to say about that, but I, I do actually love every time I watch this episode. I just I just picture myself sitting at home in September of 1990 as someone who had like didn't know what the show was about, and all of a sudden that hits, <laughs> and they're like, "What is going on?" So, anyways, um, any- but one would think that they were kind of out of it since they weren't paying attention to like the promos and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I exactly. mean, I remember when this came out. I just it was not the kind of thing that was on my my 
list of things to watch. And it was definitely something Shelley wouldn't have watched at the time, I think. So, um, yeah, it just it just wasn't something that registered at that point. Yeah. We need interviews with everyone's parents. <laughs> We're at- I was I was in grad school when this came out. So I, I actually I, I actually have I've never <laughs> talked to my dad. But like I mentioned, I mean, he was a Randy Newman fan. So I've been kind of tempted next time I see him, I'm going to be like, hey, uh, do you remember 1990 seeing a sh- about? Although I, I don't think he actually watched. My parents didn't watch a lot of TV when I was a kid, so I don't know if they were aware of it. But anyways, I think that covers all of the numbers in this episode. So I don't know. Is it time to move on to our final section, rantings and ratings? I think so. Sure. Perfect. So for those of you who don't know, for those of you who have not listened to our other podcast, this is pretty much the final section where we talk about uh, kind of our final thoughts on this episode. We're going to sum it up and then we're going to give it a rating. And this is going to be at a five. Well, normally we do, I don't know, Renee, should I, should I use the same, the same yes. stupid? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Say no more. The, okay. the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is so we always rate it out of five something on our on cult of the cathode ray it's different every episode so for this episode let's rate this one out of five glowing briefcases full of filthy money <laughs> and i'm gonna let uh i'm gonna let paul go first since he's kind of the the cop rock noob so i'm kind of uh, curious to hear his thoughts okay well um like i said uh martial law was not really the best uh the best showcase for Cynthia Rothrock's abilities. It was poorly shot. The, 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 uh, the, the choreography wasn't that great. And she had this kind of weird hair. Um, so I would have to give that one a, a, a three at best. And that's only because it's got Cynthia Rothrock versus martial law two, where they definitely up their game, much better choreography, much better shot, really nice showcases even though she's still not the lead she's the female lead but she's not the main lead she still showcased a lot of really nice fight action in there number of times with her singers shot to the head from the back overhead really good i'd say that one's a good solid four it's still not the top roth rockishness but it was still pretty good four glowing briefcases and then cop rock itself um again i was never really a big cop drama fan and so um you know it was it was it's an interesting um thing i would be kind of i'm more interested to see where it goes and how it builds because it is very much a first act uh feels kind of very open to me which is what these were um the interesting songs will be interested to see if the more variety of the songs i'm curious in terms of is it going to be like, oh, look, now here we've got another, you know, check off these ballads. Okay, well, we didn't have this genre of, of song, well, this song, you know. So I'll be interested to see where that goes. Um, so it does want to keep me watching. Um, but again, it just loses a little bit because like Renee doesn't like ballads and I don't like power ballads. I'm not a big fan of cop dramas. I don't mind mysteries. So um, I would say I'd give it a, a solid three and a half glowing briefcases. So basically between Martial Law and Martial Law 2. So Martial Law, three glowing briefcases. Cop Rock Episode 1, three and a half glowing briefcases. Martial Law 4, it's got a four, four glowing briefcases because it does have much better, more Cynthia Rothrock action. Now, if you had some karate kicks to the head in... in, uh, in um, cop rock and if you tell me some of that's coming up then i'll definitely you know 
be sticking around. Well, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, stick around and uh, maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised. So with a kick to the head, uh, with a kick. To the I know you. I know you. I know you'd like to give me. That one is. Right that now. is. <laughs> it's fine. Like I said, I have the power of editing, so this is all. You're not even gonna be in this episode, Paul. That's what I figured. I was like, I was like, if I if I go this way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna edit you out entirely. Um, in fact, I'm gonna edit myself. Paul, who? I'm gonna edit myself Paul out who? as well. It's just gonna be Renee talking about this episode. And uh, so oh speak, <laughs> speaking of Renee, uh, I'm gonna pass it over to you. And uh, if you if you could kindly give us your, because now you've got the power to tell us what your rating of this episode is. <laughs> Wow. I've got the power. <laughs> wow. This show is it just ahead of its time. Just ahead of its time. Um, and, I mean, f- five original songs, including, not including, the theme song. I mean. That's like half know. an album. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. It's... We used to call those EPs. Oh. oh. <laughs> Back in the olden days. Back oh. in my day. <laughs> uh, you know, just it's, just it's groundbreaking, ahead of its time, underappreciated. Um, it's just so difficult, I think, to capture the nuances of of the time and the drama and of, of everything that was happening in the world. In, in a song, and I think Mr. Newman really, really captured that. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid four because I do believe that bigger, better things will come. So I'm going to give it a four. Nice. Nice. Very respectable. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in agreement. I mean, this is like, here's the thing. Even if you don't like this show, which I don't think of actually, I always say there are two types of people in this world. There are people who don't like cop rock or sorry i think i messed that up there are people who have never seen cop rock and there are people who love cop rock yeah that's what i was trying to say yeah but uh probably not entirely true but i i still think that you know even if you watch this and you don't love it as much as i do i feel like you still have to give it credit for being literally one of the most original shows on television i i was gonna say the 90s i think maybe ever like, it feels like even today, mm. even today with all the stuff, like, they can do so much more on streaming and cable, and there are so many things that are just way outside the box now. I actually feel like we still haven't seen anything as wildly original as this. And the thing is, like, the execution is actually good. Like, people, you know, people kind of laugh about this show because, yeah, it's it's very it's very crazy premise. It doesn't sound pretty goofy. And maybe it is kind of goofy, but it's one of those shows you start watching it and you just start getting sucked in. And by the time you're done, you're like, man, I got to watch another episode of that. So, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to, like, look at this in retrospect after having, you know, kind of watched it for so many years. But I, I still remember, like, watching the for the first time and just feeling just being kind of blown away by it. So. Yeah, I, I think a four is absolutely correct. I mean, yeah, there is, it is, you know, back in the day, this was kind of a, a common thing where the pilots were, sometimes it, the shows were still kind of finding their feet, you know, like Paul said. But uh, I think this is a great start. It's very audacious. I think it gives you a taste of things to come. And I think it kind of like 
definitely shows you that this is a show unlike anything you've seen before. So yeah, solid for those briefcases full of that money and maybe some radioactive isotopes or whatever the hell was in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I uh, actually don't have a calculator up, but I think that puts us around an average of what, like 3.875 repeating. Oh, there you go. 3.83 okay. repeating. Repeating. Okay. Um, actually, one of the things Renee said actually just kind of struck me. It said it's ahead of its time. So um, just something we might want to, we usually kind of talk about legacy. Um, and well, one thing I want to kind of touch on is, or am I jumping ahead? Well, jumping you, ahead? usually we do that. Usually we do, uh, we, we kind of finish out a series and then we talk about the legacy. So yeah. Okay. Remember, well, because... we got 10 more episodes to go here. True. Well, the, the other thing is one thing I, I, I was, when I was looking into this just after I just happened to stumble across the episode and was looking at some things that there was the. The, that same season there was another musical series that came out and that was hull high and it was a musical high school series and that led me thinking holy shit do we have to blame cop rock for glee mm. <laughs> yeah i mean here's yeah do we have to blame it for here's glee? the thing though here's the thing though people i yeah. think people bring this up a lot because yeah, yeah. glee's like the other show that people think about yeah. when they think about musicals but man, yeah. Cop Rock is still. Uh, I, and Renee hit hit the nail on the head. Glee was all about covers. Cop yeah, Rock, oh, in the first episode, true. you get six original Randy Newman songs if you include the theme. That is true. I mean, this is, that is yeah. True. So I mean, yeah. And and, and Randy Newman songs that don't all sound like same exactly. Randy Newman song too, which is mm. which is is definitely something. So yeah, it 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 might have it might have partially spawned something like Glee, but it it those are a. a pale imitation mm. yeah and it's interesting you mentioned glee because you know it i was thinking that of all the times and of all the shows i honestly think they could remake cop rock today and i think it would be a success i mean i would actually yeah i would actually argue that glee wasn't even out as nearly out as outside of the box because it did i've only seen a couple episodes but if i remember correctly it was usually a character kind of like singing kind of in context Whereas yeah. this really is just randomly people busting out and you're like, what the hell is going on? So I don't know. I Yeah. I'd be afraid if they remade it, Renee, that they would try to do it like the Glee way. Cause it's like, it's Oh true. look, look, we it's did true. Rocky horror from it. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Shoot me in the head. <laughs> so, I mean, what is, it's, it's, what, what is Randy Newman doing these days? Is he still putting out I was going to say he, he'd have Hold to on. be heavily I'm going to look it up real time. Please. All right. All right. So, so here, I, I just looked up cause yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't kept up with his career, but uh, let's let's go down to his discography, studio albums. Last studio album in 2017 was Dark Matter, and last film score was uh, 2019. He had Marriage Story and Toy Story 4. So as far as I can tell, he's still going, right? Yeah, he's not retired, and he's and he's 78. He's 78, so and you know maybe more power to him. Yeah, he's got the power. Uh, I. <laughs> Um, We'd love to have him on to talk about. Oh, opera. dude! If we could get Randy, hey, look! If we could get Randy Newman on, I think my dad would finally listen to one of my podcasts. How about that? I think he can finally tell me how proud he is of me. Anyways, uh, that got a little too real. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Rand, Randy, do it for Zach. Please do, do it, it for, for me. Hash, on, hashtag Randy, do it for Zach. <laughs> so yeah, just to summarize, uh, we need to get hold of Randy Newman to be on the show, and we also need to get hold of. Sandra Bullock, just to see, you know, what she's up to. Just tell her, hey. And um, honestly, I'd be happy to get a hold of anyone who's involved in the making of the show because I have a feeling that I feel like this is the sort of show like, you know, I don't think there have been any documentaries about it. 
I actually think this is the first and only podcast dedicated to cop rock. So I feel like there's some unmined content here is what I'm saying. I feel like there are probably some untold stories from the set of cop rock. So mm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. Renee, please get on that. You're the, uh, you're, you're the uh, one that's good with people. So I will. Ronnie I will. Cox is still around. I bet you he'd, he'd, he'd talk to us. if We asked him about Apple's way. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's actually funny. Like, yeah, he's uh, a lot of these people, I think, I don't know if they're like, you know, they've moved on to other stuff, but yeah, I was looking at Ronnie Cox, man, he is still kicking. And uh, I think his last movie was like a year or two ago. So yeah, dude. Hey, look, if we get Ronnie Cox on, that'd be like a 10 hour interview at, with all the <laughs> stuff I'd like to talk to him about. So he was actually in being, being, being the Ricardo, Ricardo's, which is up for an Oscar. So, oh, yeah. Good for him. Oh. Yeah. And his next film is Demon Star, which is in post production. Yeah. So, so, man, uh, yeah. so yeah, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to talk, or, or honestly, uh, you know, I'd love to talk uh, to Ernie Hudson or Armin Shimmerman about this as well. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, if you were involved with Cop Rock, or you knew anyone who, or you know anyone who was involved in the making of this episode or any of the other episodes, please contact us. Or, or, or any Cynthia Rothrock films. Or, yeah, God damn it! If you if you know <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock, please please ask her to, to respond to at least one of Paul's letters so he will stop writing her. That's I think that's all we have, guys. Are there any other thoughts on this episode, or do, do we want to close it out? I, I think we can close, close it out. Close it out? Mm-hmm. You guys, Renee? Let's no, shut it I down. Agree. Cool. Well, this, uh, like I said at the top... I think this one we're going to premiere this episode on both of our podcasts. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to talk to those audiences for just a second here. You're listening to this on the Video Store Junkies podcast where we talk about movies. We got a great episode coming out. I think in two weeks we're going to be talking about altered states. Which uh, speaking about crazy trips like Cop Rock, uh, it's a pretty cr- pretty crazy trip movie. So stay tuned for that. And if you are listening to us on Cult of the Cathode Ray, we're going to be continuing our coverage of season two of The Walking Dead. So stay tuned for that. And if you're listening to one of those podcasts and not the other one, well, go listen to the other one because you can listen to us talk way more about all this stuff for hours on end. So it's uh, tons of free entertainment straight to your pod machine or whatever. And let's talk about Living Under the Gun, the cop rock cast so uh, this is actually, I don't know when this is going to premiere, but this will be out. Uh, the actual like podcast, this particular podcast will be out eventually. And we will be doing, I, I think we're going to do it monthly. We're going to be covering all the episodes. And then we're going to be kind of going off into other kind of cop rock errata. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about other than just the episodes. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a fun ride. And can't tell you how often it's going to update it. Like I said, could be monthly, could be could be more. Uh, just depends on how we can fit it in with all the other stuff we're recording. But stay tuned; it's going to be great. And if you want to stay on top of any of those podcasts, well, good news. You can go to any of your favorite podcast platforms and find those, or you can go to our respective websites: videostorejunkies.com, cultofthecathoderay.com, or livingunderthegun.com, and you can get updates for all those podcasts on those websites and i think that's all i have to say so do you guys want to sign off and most importantly paul did you did you memorize any of the songs on the show i didn't think we sang for this one god okay (laughs) all right i just i just assumed i could do a sexy sax solo no that's okay i assumed you'd memorize one um 
and then we no, we like I said, I just kind of stumbled on this, and and I can't, like I said, I was watching, I was watching martial because you guys are talking about all these songs, and I'm watching mm-hmm. martial law mm-hmm. and martial law two, and and there's mm-hmm. no lyrics to any of that. Well, there's there's a there's a, is a closing song at the end, but I just I didn't quite get it memorized. Sorry. All right. Well, stay tuned for our next episode where Paul will sing us out, and I guess for this episode we won't have any music outro, so we will just say uh, good night and thanks for listening. Roth rock on. Renee, say something. Oh, I didn't say goodnight. Good night. Yeah. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> All right.